0: Understand the big picture performance of EMS agencies across the United States as outlined in the 2022 ESO EMS Index. It's based on data from more than 2,000 agencies and departments across the country and represents 9.9 million EMS responses between January 1st, 2021 to December 31st, 2021. Now in its fifth year, the 2022 ESO EMS Index not only examines the performance, but makes comparisons to the previous year's data. Therefore, the best practices are informed by several years of data, as well as the practical first-hand experience of seasoned medical professionals. Download the index today by visiting ESO.com.
1: Welcome to Real Life Rescues a podcast. That's going to go behind the scenes and take an in-depth look into the operational and personal accounts of EMS first responders from Israel's largest fully volunteer EMS provider, United Atzala.
0: Any volunteers available in Beit Shemesh across from the Noah Ayala trails. Any unit's available
1: in Tzvario near the Kinara for an 11-year-old boy pulled into the water, possibly drowning. Unit seven is at the water with the boat. Backup units event. Welcome to another episode of Real Life Rescues. I'm Rafael Posh. I'm Mizel. Uh, We're continuing on with our operations here in Moldova on the border of Ukraine, and uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, Operation Orange Wings, uh, but focusing mainly on our our black ops rescue missions that uh, which we sort of touched on last time, which are taking place inside
0: Ukraine itself. Um, yeah, well, we, we spoke a lot about the humanitarian assistance uh, that we were providing on the different borders and the rescue flights and. And all of that but at the end of the day there's a war going on inside ukraine and the need is great and uh, and, and we understood that it won't be enough to just wait on the border all right we had to go in and and because we are an ems
1: organization we focused uh there, there's a lot of needs in ukraine right now um a whole country's worth uh and we were we're basically focusing on pulling people out who uh sustained injuries who had severe medical conditions and needed uh, to be um, extricated from the country very, very quickly. Uh, And we also dealt with newborn babies, um, which was its own, uh, I guess, whole uh, project, uh, which we dealt with, um, because Israel and Ukraine have a surrogacy agreement. So there's a lot of parents who had their surrogate babies delivered in Ukraine during the war. um, And that caused a lot of issues because the mothers who had just given birth... Had to flee for their own safety, and they left the babies behind in some cases, uh, not of their own choice necessarily. Um, but that's just the way that things sort of happened there, and we had to go in and rescue those as well. Um, so there were a lot of uh, medical and humanitarian rescues, which were were taking place currently,
0: even still, uh, in inside Ukraine itself. Yeah, so we're like five weeks into the into the war here and and I, I, I gotta say that the need is, is constantly there, though the beginning was was it was at, 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 on scale. Um, many calls, people trying to get out of the country, um, people running. We were talking about uh, thousands, millions of refugees. Uh, but within that, like uh, Rafael said, we focused on the medical side. And on the medical side, we were we were posed with huge demand, way beyond our capacity. Mind you, we don't operate regularly in these areas. We do have a team, however, in Ukraine throughout the year of volunteers that some of them fled and some of them actually stayed. And they were very instrumental in assisting,
1: having already relationships with people on the ground, uh, knowing their way around the place. Of course, knowing the language was very helpful as well. Um, And they were able to help us facilitate a lot of these rescues.
0: Yeah, and we we call it Black Ops for the very simple reason that Getting these operations done was was a challenge. Um it's not your regular um uh, go get your patient and transport. It's a the, the not to mention curfews. Uh not to mention, well maybe yes to mention. Curfews. Yeah, of we're going to mention curfews. Mention the road barricades mention and talk the, about talk about militias, or militias listen. Militias, sorry. Um, I apologize, my English is my mother's tongue, as I always say, not my mother tongue. Um, militias on the road, we're talking about working in high-danger hot zones, literally, whether it was in cities that were bombarded and under missile attacks. We're talking Mariupol, we're talking Kiev, we're talking Kharkiv. And, Odessa. And, and and Odessa, of course, um, is, is actually getting the teams that were crazy enough, that were crazy enough to go in there and pull these people out because these people simply could not help themselves. Some of them we pulled out of hospitals. Some of them we pulled out of shelters and some of them we pulled out of their own homes. And some of them from bombed out buildings, um,
1: or subways where they were hiding after their buildings were bombed. Uh, and there, there was a lot of, uh, each, each mission had its own scenario, uh, and its own difficulties that were involved. Um, I'll give you the one that one of the first ones that would, that happened. It was the first, uh, first Friday we were here. um, we got a phone call, one of our, our team leaders got a phone call at, uh, just, just as they're sitting down for Friday night dinner uh, with the whole team, and uh, you got the phone call? About the baby? Yeah, about
0: the baby, that was yep. you? I, I thought that was our own, okay. Um, so we got the phone call. <laughs> yep, I get a phone call from a frantic woman saying that a surrogate mother gave birth to a, a, a baby. The baby is one day old. Um, we were talking in a, in a phone conference call with the nurse um, that was uh, that was treating the baby in this uh, facility. And, and what happened was uh, they, they just wanted to get the baby out of there. And not only that, but the following morning, we had phone calls through the night. Even the, the nurse herself skipped and left. And we understood that we we're on zero time and have to get a team out there. So what we did was uh, put together a team from within Ukraine that will make it into Kiev pick up this baby, manage to get legal forms for, um, uh, what do you got, proxy? A birth, birth certificate. And- uh, birth certificate and like a proxy for the baby. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can't leave the country with this baby. Um, then put them in an ambulance for a 16-hour drive um, through all the road blocks. And and, uh, and it required, of course, high currency. Uh, to get through these roadblocks and uh, out of this uh, uh, curfew. And when I say currency, it's not necessarily cash as you would think um, when we're we're talking about these things. But the, the going currency in Ukraine is divided into two. And when we're talking black ops, this is really interesting because we learned this on the go. Number one, tourniquets, hemostatic dressings, and fuel. This was the going currency to get our job done. There, we we had to pay off local um, military and 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 militias, 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 and militias by giving them tourniquets. Giving them tourniquets. This is what they wanted, in order for us to let to get through, and 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 complete the mission. And this mission was a twenty-four ended up being a twenty-four hour mission. And after twenty-four hours, we crossed the border into Moldova. Successfully,
1: right. which um, which was his own doing because we had to provide the paperwork and everything, uh, provide proof of birth and and a birth certificate which wasn't readily accessible, and of course, uh, you know um, proxy for, proxy as well as as uh, we had
0: the right to bring this baby over, um, and, and the proxy was actually our own volunteer yeah. that made himself the father of this baby in order to get this baby out of harm's way. And, and once we made it into Moldova, the family, the mother...
1: Well, um, there was a whole trip into Romania that exactly, then happened, the which mother, is, the, which and is and a bigger issue because... She
0: flew from Israel to Romania because still in Moldova, the airspace was closed. So we had to continue the transfer across Moldova into Romania, where there she reunited uh, this baby with her mother for the first time. Yeah. And then
1: uh, it, was, it was also hassle getting them into Romania because... Let's not forget that uh, Ukraine and Moldova are, are also well-known countries for human trafficking. So the Romanian authorities were uh, very suspicious, seeing two volunteers, a male and a female, who were not married and have no relationship with one another, uh, and a baby that's not connected to them, and then trying to get the baby through the Romanian border, which is an EU country. Um, yeah, that,
0: that, that's why we needed the uh, documents. That's it where we came. It and- wasn't in order to get into Moldova, <laughs> right? The capital of human trafficking of the world, unfortunately. Um, so it was. Uh, we, we got them
1: into Romania, and it took a long time of convincing and, and verifying and phone calls back and forth. But uh, the reunion finally happened in the airport in, uh, in Yasi, in Moldova.
0: And I got to tell you, that was one of the most emotional moments. Well, we thought to that point it was the Up most emotional point. moment. Up until that point. And from there on, for the f- following weeks, just another and another and another. Um, of of these of these uh, rescue missions that were successful and if you ask me i never in a million years imagined we'd be doing the things we're doing today for sure um want to switch uh, focus i mean and and maybe i
1: guess the next emotional story we had was when we did the exact same thing the day afterwards (laughs) with a second baby um that very much had a similar story um the uh, let's, I want to switch focus, I guess, from uh, from uh, surrogate babies, which was its own uh, uh, quite a big topic. I think, how many have we done until now? Five, six? Yeah, I think we did six um, until
0: now. And um, yeah, well, there were other cases as well of babies and kids and and, and and an adult. And we'll talk about all of those because it really is, I mean, it's way beyond an adrenaline rush. It's, it's, it's you literally feel you're on a mission. People are, are... We were. <laughs> well, yeah, crazy, crazy we mission. And, and, and with bombs going around and, and... Air raid sirens and... I mean, I think on the previous uh, podcast, we were talking about war in a civilian area here in Israel. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's like uh, the worst we've experienced. But, but this on scale is, is... I mean, here in Israel, we drive an hour away and we're out of harm's way. Um, but there you go on and on 16 hours, 17 hours, 18 hours, and you're still hearing air, air raid sirens and, and bombs going off in the distance. Correct. Um, let's switch figures to uh, some, some rescues of injured people, which
1: we've dealt with. Um, we have a volunteer who came from Florida actually and joined our Israeli team, uh, a doctor named Zev Newerth Um, I'm going to give him a shout out. He's hopefully we're going to try and get him on a, a future podcast. Big shout out to Zev. Big shout out. He's been incredible. He he walked into the the more or less uh, the mission, and we we he he, he hasn't really left Ukraine, <laughs> just to bring people out. Every now and then he shows up at one of the border crossings and surprises our team with more refugees that he brings out personally. Um, we've got we we got an ambulance for him, uh, purchased one, uh, and then we uh, he's been very active in helping people. Uh, who are injured we notify and say listen this person is in a different city um, wherever they may be Um, bring them out to the border crossing if you can he goes and he provides medical care of course on the way in he also usually brings medical supplies uh, passes them around to hospitals to uh, groups that need it and then brings it back out well I think
0: across the board that's been part of the mission every ambulance that goes in takes equipment with them to the hospitals in these cities because a lot of these cities are under siege a lot of these cities, uh, the hospitals are are, are un, 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 um, unequipped already, um, yeah. and, and they're, there's they're incredible begging.
1: shortages of medical supplies, and they're they're really, really begging for it. Um, there's also another big problem, like what you were saying before, where the military is taking a lot of the medical supplies or militias are taking a lot of the medical supplies. Uh, and there's a very large black market that has opened up inside Ukraine, um where their people are trading in medical supplies and they're taking them from, a lot of the groups that will come to the border countries and make a delivery into Ukraine of medical supplies and hand it off to somebody. And those medical supplies often don't make it to where they're supposed to because they will get stolen uh, or sold on the black market. Um, and what we've in essence done is instead of handing it off to someone else, we sent our own teams in with the supplies themselves to physically give the medical supplies to the hospitals to the medical centers that need them, that require them to have reached out to us. Uh, and we will then alleviate that whole problem of, we deliver the supplies to the country, but then they disappear and they don't make it to their destination. Um, that's been a big issue. So Zevi's been doing this for uh, five weeks. And um, I remember the one one story which uh, which I was aware of, which I was witness to, uh, was when he literally showed up at the border with a family of five, um, which he just pulled out from Odessa uh, the hospital. The woman... Uh, had given birth and she had a lot of medical uh, complications and they needed to uh, treat her. Um, so not only was she unable to get the treatment because they lacked the proper supplies there, but she needed treatment on the way. And because of a doctor, he was able to, he was trained and able to perform uh, whatever procedures he needed done on her on the way out uh, to stabilize her position. Um, there's a great picture we have of him where he's actually asleep in the ambulance, Holding a baby, um, and uh, there's just the way things are happening because things are so intense. Um, these rescues have been—it's it's daily- actually
0: interesting because the, the, the rescues we get—we get called on not only from uh, individuals and, and civilians, but even the hospitals reach out um, and say that they need the assistance. For example, uh, one of the calls that we got um, earlier in the in the war was of a uh, what, what I think is one of the most famous videos shown on TV of this uh, uh, skyscraper in, in Kiev, which was hit by a, uh, a, one of these missiles um, directly at on one of the upper levels of the building, uh, directed to an apartment building. And two of the victims of this incident were in a local hospital in Kiev with external fixations on their legs and, and, and whatnot, and, and those got um, infected. And they simply didn't have enough capabilities in the hospital to treat these injuries, and 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 they reached out to us to see if we could assist with the evacuation of these of these uh, victims uh, of these injured people from the from the missile hit um, out to Europe um, or anywhere else besides Ukraine, basically that they couldn't treat it there. And 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 once again, we got Dr. Zevi, and then and, and the local ambulance that we got from. Uh, um, hooked up in, in Kiev. We were, we were literally dealing ambulances um, and working with a lot of different companies within Ukraine besides our own teams, not to mention the ambulances that we purchased. We currently have five ambulances of our own that we ended up purchasing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, get, getting that the team out with two ambulances to get these two victims on ambulances and, and less than 24 hours, we were able to get them out of there. We got them into a local hospital in Romania for stabilization, and then flew them out to Israel for advanced care um, uh, in a uh, in a higher level hospital back in Israel. It was a really one of these internationally coordinated um, rescues um, that, that we're actually very proud of. I, I never imagined we'd be able to do to do these kinds of things, and yet feel wow, what 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 a sense of accomplishment when these people ended up. We see them now two weeks later, um, sitting up and smiling in the hospitals here. It really is a, 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 an amazing feeling of accomplishment. All right, and often
1: we're we're getting now pictures uh, from the people we rescued from their family members who are in Israel, uh, who we've connected through our rescue flights as well, or we've pulled them. We've, we've done a full service stop, like what you were saying, where we've we've rescued them from Ukraine, brought them to Moldova, give them uh, stabilized them there or Romania, uh, stabilized them in one of those two countries, and then flown them directly to Israel. Uh, where they're receiving medical treatment, and then reunited for those of them who have family here uh, in Israel. They they're reunited with their families, um, and even today, I think we we received a picture of a of a son who uh, reunited was reunited with his mother, uh, mother, grandmother, 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 uh, and and it was a big thank you, saying thank you so much for making our family whole again. We never thought we would see her again. Um, you know, she was injured and had a medical condition in Ukraine, and there was no way to get her out. You guys really made it happen. We're
0: seeing, we're seeing babies that are now five weeks old that we took out when they were one day old, and and it's like whoa, whoa! It really is. It, it's mind boggling, and and I, I think I, I mentioned it before regarding the ambulances. Is we were kind of counting on on, on contracts that are really worthless contracts in ukraine now but but it, it was based upon relationships over the years of, of our team in ukraine with the ambulance companies that we were using but it simply wasn't enough and we went out and we started buying ambulances we started purchasing ambulances um and, and staffing them with our own teams, so uh, so we can have the the rigs as soon as we need right. for, for whatever mission and the distances we need to remember it's not like the call is not around the corner or three minutes away We're talking sometimes just the the, the road to get to the evacuation is 500 kilometers, and that's like 350 miles. And then from there, the evacuation can be 1,000 miles or or, or a little less. We're talking about crazy, crazy distances here.
1: And the team has to be alert pretty much the whole way down. Um, So it's it's a multi-person job, each one. Uh, We need a whole team to go in, and the team has to be trained and willing and ready to put their lives at risk on the line. There have been times, uh, I know Zevi was telling me that he, he got held up by at gunpoint because uh, uh, he had been in and out so often that people thought he was a Russian spy. So the Ukrainians actually held him up. Um, he obviously explained what, they were, what he was doing and showed them some papers that he was a doctor. Uh, and then they finally let him go. But there were some harrowing moments for a lot of the teams. For a lot of the teams, yeah, yeah. A
0: lot of them found themselves at gunpoint with AK-47s pointed at their heads. Being suspicious of of of, of being uh, Russian spies or or, or uh, infiltrating teams from from uh, from uh, from uh, from, uh, from their enemy, and and it was very very uh, very scary moments there. And yet, you see how they stick with the mission. It's it's unbelievable. It yeah. really. And then is. they went back in and did it again and again. Um,
1: it's really an incredible achievement. And and I think the perseverance and the self sacrifice by our volunteers has been tremendous uh, throughout this whole project. Um, we're also, we mentioned that we were bringing in a lot of supplies, and I think now we're doing that uh, a lot more. We've, we've really uh, ratcheted up that, that dial in terms of how many supplies we're bringing in. We've started flying, flying cargo planes uh, both to Moldova, to Slovakia, to Poland, uh, and now we're bringing those supplies from those planes into
0: we actually, the Ukraine itself. We actually, we actually uh, rented a huge warehouse in West Ukraine, in a city called Ozgorod, which is not far from the Slovakian border, where uh, where we're flying cargo into. Well, through Slovakia, obviously, we can't fly into Ukraine. And from there, distributing to Odessa, Kiev, um, Lviv, uh, throughout Ukraine. Uh, we have a distribution network now. And it really is tremendous to see these hospitals receiving this uh, these supplies, creating the the... These alliances, they understand that there's someone that they can trust, someone that they can work with, and then they end up calling us to, to help them with the rescue, with the transfer. I mean, we're constantly doing transfers to 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 all the countries. Basically, we've been doing transfers out to Moldova, to Hungary, to Slovakia, to the Poland, Poland. Um, and 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 from there on to the different countries in Europe or or Israel. Um, it, it really has become an international. Operation. But the beautiful thing is, we really see a lot of organizations and agencies coming together to work together, really putting the ego aside and looking at the mission itself. And, and it really is amazing.
1: And that's something it's, everyone agrees on. It's the idea of saving lives. And that's something that people really respected throughout this whole effort um, because it's something that everyone shares. We, no one wants these people to suffer or to get hurt or to stay in the hospitals. We all want them to live and survive and be treated in the safest and, and best way possible. Um, and unfortunately, because of the situation and and the shortages which are currently in lo- in place uh, in uh, in Ukraine, or exist in Ukraine, I should say, um, they can't receive that treatment in Ukraine a lot of times. So they're asking us for help to to come help these people get out so we can treat them. And we're talking even basic situations where we have uh, people who are normal, normally stable conditions uh, with basic illnesses, things like diabetes or uh, high blood pressure, things which are normally a stable condition are unstable in Ukraine because there is no insulin, there's no blood pressure medication, uh, and they're not accessible because all the supplies they had were used up and
0: then they're gone. So looping back a little bit to, to, to the rescues and the black ops at the end of the day, some of them are stable enough um, in, in a local hospital in, in Moldova or in uh, Romania and some of them are in such condition that that like like we were talking about the other rescues we did need to move on either into Europe, Germany in some cases that we did or to Israel and others. There's this one, I, I call it an ongoing special ops uh, mission that went on for I would say about four days. It started out with with getting people out from the Ukraine, from Odessa, and uh, from from Kiev and uh, Kharkiv and others out into Romania. And from there, stabilized in a local hospital. When I say stabilized, I'm still talking ALS, advanced life support, uh, in, intensive care unit uh, um, um, uh, treatment.
1: They were they were in serious to critical condition. Even even in the center where they were set up, they were stable, but they were in serious condition.
0: And and we needed to move them on. And and actually last week, I think it was last week, yeah, we, we got a call uh, one Thursday evening. I get a call from one of the agencies on the ground, uh, an Israeli agency, um, that uh, said we have a, a a special mission. Some of the people that were brought to the, the medical center there need to be moved on to an ICU in Israel for advanced regions, some of them with amputated legs, some of them, um, you know, po- po- post-CPR. We're talking really the, the, on the top end of, 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 of the cases, and we're saying, okay, six people on stretchers. Now that's that's a challenge and a stretcher on a plane I'm talking about for a four hour flight. So uh, immediately uh, my instinct was, of course, I immediately said yes. And when I hung up the phone, I'm like, Hmm, what do I do now? (laughs) And, 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 and we got the ball rolling, got our, uh, our, our team on a, an emergency uh, conference call and said, okay, how do we do this? And we actually mobilized a crazy operation Call came in, like I said, 7 p.m. Um, got all the minds together, our whole crazy team on board. Started reaching out. We reached out to El Al, the Israeli airliner. Uh, we asked them if we can uh, charter one of their Boeing 737s and if they can modify it to a, a flying ICU unit with six stretchers uh, on board.
1: And we heard the jaws drop on the other side and of the phone. And they're
0: like, they're like. Um, let us get back to you on that one. And we're like, yeah, we'll give you five minutes. And, and in the meantime, we're looking with foreign airlines, Air Moldova and Turkish Airlines and, and whatever. We're, we're, we've got our team checking out every airline in the region that can, that can fit a plane. And, they, they, you know, I, I guess maybe because it was a national mission to help these people out. Um, they, they immediately said, they got back to us after five minutes and said, yes, but are you for sure doing it? Because we're going to work through the night now with our technical team and the airline to, to, to do this to the plane. And, and we're like, um, uh, we're saying, yeah, for sure. And they're like, wait a second, maybe we can only get it in like two days time. And we're like, uh, uh-uh. uh not Tomorrow good enough. morning. <laughs> not good enough. Give it another shot. And, and they get back to me. I say, okay, 6 a.m. So I'm like, yes. So I get back to, to the agency and I say, okay, 6 a.m. we have a plane And they start mumbling like, uh, 6 a.m.? I'm not sure we have all the documents. What can we do? Passports, whatever, whatnot. And I'm like, guys, you have 10 hours and 20 minutes to do it before we lift off from Israel. And, and they're like, um, what are we supposed to do? I say, I don't know, but you have 10 hours and 18 minutes left. And, and 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 they're like, okay, give us two minutes. I'm like, we're doing it. And I, and they said, okay, go. And we got everybody moving. We got a team of uh, what was it, 14 um, ALS doctors, paramedics, uh, uh, nurses, the whole the whole nine yards of the of the team. Uh, you know, six monitors. The whole ICU unit was brought to the airport at night. Worked on the plane throughout the night. 6 a.m. It was ended up they, they were delayed, they lifted off at 9 a.m. But by 6.30 p.m. that same day, they landed in Israel. They landed in Israel and arrived at the receiving hospital, hospital. facility. Yeah. Um, and it was, I, I gotta say, I, I'll say about this, all these cases you'll make fun of me or file that the most amazing moment and 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 I have no Up words. until that point. Up until that point. I <laughs> as mean, long as we are saying it's up until, until that we're, point. Because to then there's going to be another one next week. Yeah, but, but really, that, 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 these missions, I mean, they fuel us. They really they do. They fuel, fuel us to keep going, to keep pushing, to see one more. And and I always say, you know. It's, not, I mean, it's many more.
1: And and whoever needs help, we're going to be there for it. And, and,
0: and I know there are millions of people that need help there. And I know that there's, you know, there's always like, uh, this is a drop in the sea. But that always takes me back to the story that I heard when I was a younger kid in one of these inspiration uh, uh, lectures when I was a teenager of this father and son walking on the beach. And it was after a storm and like a million uh, starfish were washed up on on the shore. And the father picks one up and throws him back in the water and then picks another one up, throws him back in the water. And and the son looks at him and says, Dad, what are you doing? What's the difference? There are millions here. So he says, well, for the ones I threw in the water, it made a difference. And and when we say that um, that that we, we always go by the line of he who saves one life, um, saves, saves, the, world saves the saves an entire world, and, I, and I'm a strong believer in that because yep. for that person, for that person's family, um, for those that person's relatives, his community, it is the world, and, and 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 we're seeing this one at a time. We're picking them out one at a time from Odessa, from Kharkiv, from Mariupol, and from Kiev. And we're getting them out of harm's way. We're getting them into advanced medical treatment and, and and we really are changing the world for these people. And I think that is really the power that moves us.
1: It certainly is. Um, and each of these stories, like you're saying is is something that's something we never could have even fathomed five weeks ago that we'd be doing. and suddenly we're doing it. And uh, the amount of people that have been helping us, um, the story with the with the six people that you mentioned just on the plane. Uh, is incredible. People literally drop whatever they're doing. Not just the volunteers from our organization who went on the flight, but also we staffed six ambulances to be at the tarmac when the plane landed to then transport the people to the hospital. We had six entire ambulance teams that dropped whatever they're doing. And this is Friday afternoon, which is right before the Sabbath, and everyone has to be at home uh, with their families. Everyone took time off from their families to go do this uh, to make sure that these other six families are going to remain whole um, and save their lives. Uh, and we received updates and follow-ups about a lot of the people here uh, after they've been brought to Israel, received medical attention, are stable in a lot of conditions. We've had volunteers check up on the refugees who've come on our flights and are staying in hotels or different refugee centers. Um, and we've sent teams to go check up, make sure they have their medications, make sure they're receiving everything they need uh, to provide that continuing care as well once they land here. So it's it's really a complete package from bringing them out uh from war Ukraine across the border onto the rescue flights and then to Israel and then providing a little bit of care and follow-up, making sure they have everything they need here uh in Israel. It's it's really something that's, and that's it's not and it's not only amazing. about
0: it's not only about here. Our, our our special ops didn't all end in a transport. A lot of our special ops were were getting um medical supplies, even to individuals. I call it the FedEx of special ops uh, of um, and, and that was different patients, cancer patients um, that needed medication that couldn't be reached in, in Ukraine and getting that from various countries, from Israel, from other countries in Europe and getting them into those cities, into their home, literally delivered to their doorstep because they simply could not leave. And and I think that that was just as important. And Absolutely.
1: And- it's also saving lives, 100%. Um, like you were saying, in terms of the uh, delivery of medications, they, we actually got a, a request from the health minister of Moldova for more insulin because the country ran out due to the refugees. Uh, and in our second and third and, I think, fourth planes that brought in equipment, we brought in insulin to not only be given out in Ukraine, but also in Moldova because of the shortage that was caused by all the influx of refugees as well. Um, so the delivery of medications has been a pretty major uh, mission that we've been undertaking uh, in addition to all the other uh, regular Black Ops, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, let's do one more story.
0: One more Black Ops story. So uh, uh, let me let me think of one of the most powerful ones, okay? Because it really is. <laughs> now uh, I'm yeah, laughing at you. Yeah. Make fun of me. Go ahead, Rafael. Make fun of me. Um, yes, but I, I think it really is one of the most powerful ones. And that is we had a a a, 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 a request to transfer three Holocaust survivors um, that were bedbound in their homes in Kiev. And each one of them needed to be transported on a stretcher um, from Kiev out to Poland, where from there they'll be uh, transferred um, to an, another ambulance out to Germany for the remainder of their life. Now, these people are in their 90s, and they're homebound, bedbound. And I'll just, just, I'll just pause and point out that this is the second time they're fleeing a war, So, so which is uh, also uh, look, really so maybe, maybe, mind-boggling. Maybe maybe, Rafael, we can say what they said. I think they said it even better than us. And that was when we were taking them. This was a journey that took almost 20 hours. And and one of them, the babushka, I call her I call her our babushka because she was really she was smiling and hugging the team and and really like she told us a story there that was she this woman is like 95. She's saying the last time she ran this is she's saying this is the second time in my life that I'm running. First time I ran I was five years old and I was on the floor of the car lying down on the floor next to my two-year-old brother and I never saw my brother or my father or my mother after that time. They took us all to different places and now I'm lying again inside the back of of a vehicle but this time I'm happy. As stressful as this is leaving my home behind leaving everything behind I'm being greeted here with a hug and with a smile, and you're taking me out of harm's way, and I know and I'm certain that you're taking good care of me. And she was so thankful. And, and, and the team, the whole team there were literally, she was smiling and the team was all in tears. And and I think that that represents more than anything our mission here and and our volunteers' mission and, the, and each and every one of the people that that left home, left their families, left work, left everything behind in order to help other people, um, and, and, and I think that that is really the mission and it was very important just to tell that story
1: it certainly is uh, we have a lot more stories um, but that's all time we have for now so we hope you tune in again next time when we're going to try and continue uh, what uh, some of the stories that are taking place here in Moldova and hopefully we'll even be joined by some of the other volunteers that are here
0: thank you for listening to us guys